Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams. And I'm Hunter Jacobs. And you're listening to... The Hoop Ball Nets Podcast. So this episode, we actually, it's pretty packed, this episode. We're going to talk about the Rockets game, the Magic game, the Kings game that they just played today on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're going to answer some listener questions, which we did just started doing. So make sure you guys send us in questions on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Talk about the Brooklyn Baller of the Week and whether or not the Nets should sign Carmelo Anthony. But before we get into all of that, make sure you guys go leave a review on iTunes. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes. You can look up Brooklyn Nets, Hoop Ball Nets, Hoop Dash Ball Nets, anything you want. We'll be there. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Hoop Ball Nets. And uh, yeah, make sure you guys leave a review rating five stars. So we're reading all of them on the podcast, even the bad ones. We have a pretty bad one today, which we're going to get to in a second. Uh, yeah, shout out to Hawaiian House Kona Coffee Company for sponsoring this podcast and every other hoop ball podcast. If you guys want to go check them out on Twitter, it's Hi Kona Coffee, H-I-K-O-N-A Coffee. You can look them up on Amazon, Amazing Coffee, make sure you guys go check it out. So, getting to the review, it is by Melquan7. It is titled D-Lo, and it's a three-star. Go ahead, Hunter. So, I'll read this being that it's all focused on me. He was name dropping as well. <laughs> Melquan Seven said, "Hunter is ridiculous hater and yeah, immature." Melquan's clearly not too good with is the grammar. He's ridiculous <laughs> hater and immature. I love the podcast, but I don't like the excessive hate. It's ugly. Najee is great, so that's Yay, good. My boy, good. <laughs> my you. boy, Melquan. However, opinion. I don't think you actually listen because I have praised D'Lo on countless occasions on his good performance. I do hold him under a microscope more than the other players, being that he's the franchise cornerstone. A hater, not to anyone else besides Jared Dudley. (laughs) I do absolutely hate Jared Dudley. I don't think it's immature to hate Jared Dudley. 
I believe that that is absolutely valid. We just want to say that Jared Dudley hasn't played a single lick of basketball in the past three <laughs> games, and the Nets are 3-0, and so I don't want to hear it. But D'Angelo Russell is a borderline all-star this season. He is leading them to the sixth seed. He is a good player, but I will criticize his game when he plays and scores seven points and sits on the bench for the entire end of the fourth quarter in overtime against the Houston Rockets despite the win. The thing with me is I'm more of a D'Angelo Russell stan. It's in my Twitter bio and everything. I love D'Angelo Russell. He's my favorite player in the NBA, to be completely honest. So I'm more like willing to give him I'm more willing to give him slack and let things slide than Hunter is. So Obviously, Mel Kwan Seven, you are also a D'Angelo Russell stand, and I appreciate that you love him so much. I appreciate it too. But I believe you are wrong for calling me a ridiculous, not even a ridiculous hater, calling me ridiculous <laughs> hater and immature. I, believe I that appreciate you calling me great, though, but I don't appreciate you stomping out my co-host. <laughs> but nah, no hard feelings. Like we said, we appreciate the um, all the feedback and everything. Make sure you guys continue to go leave it. Get your comment read. I mean, get your review read and everything like that. So yeah, on to the Rockets game. So, this game, every game we're going to talk about today, the Nets won. This game went to OT. Uh, the Nets won 145 to 142. Before we really get into things, we're just going to go over the box score and stuff like that. Um, the, I was the one watching this game. Najee was preoccupied with some RA stuff That is very true. I was on my television watching this game and I was screaming with my friends on the phone as Dinwiddie had his eruption late in the fourth quarter. It's probably one of the best games I've watched all season, if not the best game, and this is a game I'll criticize D'Angelo Russell, so you can skip this game if you don't want to hear it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Nets shot 51.9% from the field while the Rockets shot 429 Uh They shot 44.4% from three while the Rockets shot 329 And free throw, the, the, the Rockets attempted 34, the Nets attempted 22. But that's usually the case when you play the Rockets because James Harden draws 80, free throws, uh, 80 <laughs> fouls per game and shoots 80 free throws per game. Uh, so they shot 85.3% from the free throw line uh on to the box score uh Rodion's crooks 14 points 29 minutes 7 to 12 from the field uh jared allen 20 and 24 okay that's so, crazy so i applaud his good performance Wait, didn't we say that we we said that on the last podcast well, that, that he, he should with. eat yes, because they have no, no that's center that's why i applaud his good performance although it is a bit uh, it, it is not as impressive as it would have been, obviously, had they had Capella because he was being guarded by 6'6 P.J. Tucker. But I'm glad he took advantage of it and still got the 20 for his first 2020 game of his career, by the way, and played the most minutes on the team for one of the first times all season, probably 43 minutes. So, yeah, Jared Allen, 20 and 24, 10 of 19 from the field. He shot three-pointers, shanked all three of them. He shot three three-pointers, shanked all three of them. And, uh, yeah, he had 18 defensive rebounds, three blocks, and no he turnovers. And only free throw attempt. Yeah, this is only free throw of the game. Joe Harris, old reliable, tied uh, Jared Allen for a minute, 43 each, 17 points, 6 for 12 from the field, 2 of 4 from the three-point line, 3 of 4 from the free-throw line, four rebounds, seven assists. Great game from Joe Harris. D'Lo... Of his on his worst game in probably the whole month of January, he had ten points, uh, four of eleven from the field, two of seven from the three point line. Uh, he was 
Three, he had three rebounds, seven assists, only one turnover, a steal, and only one foul. So I will point out he had the D-low special, 11 <laughs> shots, 10 points, and a minus 21 plus minus lowest on the team by a significant amount. This was not his game. Yeah, it was a bad game from him. He sat out the entire, most of the fourth quarter and all of the overtime, while Spencer Dinwiddie had, killed. Had uh, almost all of his points in the second half, most of Lee, all of it at the end of the fourth and overtime. 32 minutes. 33 points. 13 of 22 from the field. Four three-pointers. Three of them in a row to end regulation. One from the hatch. Okay, but we'll so get to that. We'll go through the box score before we explain the end of the game. He had 10 assists also, so it was a double-double. 33 and 10. And Damare Carroll continued his solid play. 22 points, 6 of 13 shooting, and 5 rebounds. Rondé Hollis came back, eased his way back into things with 7 minutes, 3 points. And then on to the Rockets. I don't know how you can basically drop 60 and your team still lose. Like, if I'm Harden, we got we got to have a talk in a locker room. Somebody get thrown in a locker because Although, that's crazy. I mean, Austin Rivers did miss the most key shot of the game. And, Austin and, Rivers is bad. And Gerald Green also missed the game winner in overtime. But they gave Austin Rivers a wide open three and he shanked it. And when you have to look Literally after one of his points, he looked up into the sky and said, finally, thank God. If you're an NBA player and you have to thank God for getting one bucket, you're trash. And uh, James Harden missed the game winner. Well, no. he, Yeah, he missed the game winner with Trevion Graham locking him up with eight seconds left. Well, he took the shot with about two seconds left, but... Dinwiddie hit his hash mark three. Yeah, before we run down the game really quick, let's just go over the Rockets box score. Eric Gordon, 20 points, 6 of 11. He, he got shot injured. four threes. Yeah, he got injured. P.J. Tucker, 20 points, 7 of 12. He hit three threes. Uh, Austin Rivers, 5 of 14. Garbage, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, Gerald you don't Green. like Austin Rivers, clearly. <laughs> nah, I'm not a big Austin Rivers fan. Gerald Green, 40 minutes. 15 points, 5 of 15 from the field, 5 rebounds. Um, he sh- whoa, whoa, whoa. He was whoa. 5 of 15 from 3. He shot all of the... That's crazy. All of his shot attempts were from 3. Every shot he took was a 3. He took 15 threes. Harden took 19 threes and hit 5 of them. And he was 16 of 34 from the field. He shot 23 free throws. Harden shot 23 free throws, had 10 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 turnovers, almost fouled out. But yeah, Harden had 58 and 10. But let's just, 23 free throws is sick. Like, that's more than everyone else on the team combined. Well, Gerald Green and Harden combined were 10 for 34 (laughs) from 3. 10 for 34. So if you take them out of the equation, the Rockets were 13 for 36, which is still not impressive. But So getting more into the game itself, so the, the Nets, we've noticed the Nets have been playing this nice little 2-3 zone. They play it for a couple of possessions here and there, I guess, when their players are tired and as a unit they, they just want to mix things up if things aren't working out at the time. They played a box-in-one on Harden where basically one player shadows Harden. And the other four play a zone, a box around the elbows and on the block, basically. And that player at the end of the game was 
Graham, although they tried it with Carol a little bit, and Rodion's Karooks. They mixed it up. They let different people guard Harden. It's usually your best defensive player, but considering Harden's unguardable, I mean... <laughs> Trevion Graham was probably their best defensive player for Harden. Yeah, honestly, we, we didn't give Trevion Graham a fair rap. Yeah. We, we were downing him. But he was bad when we were downing him. He's picked things up lately, and now he's a valuable piece to the Nets team, and we'll say that without a he's doubt. He's a hustle player like Joe Harris. He's knocking down his shots, making plays. He's doing what the Nets envisioned when they first started it. The problem with the Nets zone in this game, though, for a lot of the time they played it, was that they put so much attention on Harden. Most of the time they doubled him, and in a 2-3, like, only one player is well two players are at the top of the key but like it's usually one-on-one with the ball handler so unless they double him and they doubled Harden which led the which led to the person on the wing being open which was Eric Gordon in the instance that I'm talking about and then they had the corner was wide open Gerald Green knocked down a three so basically all the attention they were playing to Harden yeah but even with all that attention Harden still had his season high 58 so the, 60 basically like the defense was not ideal in this game it was i mean they had some solid possession steals and and lock up late in that in the regulation when, when trevion graham guarded Harden, but the offense is really what carried it so the nets were down 11 with two minutes and 20 seconds left in the game i was watching and i really thought game over they, and for a lot of teams, it is game. Like, the Nets are a resilient young team. There were some Rockets fans who left a little early because they thought it was game over and they're trying to beat the traffic. You ne- imagine know. sitting in traffic and you're listening to the game and you're like, Spencer Dinwiddie yeah. from the hash! Like, you would be sick <laughs> if you just left early. That's crazy. That's why but I never then, leave games early. So the Nets were chipping away at the lead, but they're still down six with 28.6 seconds. Which, Which would, once again, be over for a lot of teams. Dinwiddie catches the ball right off the inbound, takes a fadeaway off-balance three. Was it like in the corner? No, on the wing. Yeah. In two people's eye, good. Catch. So, then they're down three. And then Harden gets fouled. They weren't in the bonus. P.J. Tucker gets fouled. He makes one, misses one. Then Dinwiddie brings, the, well, they call timeout. Dinwiddie has the ball again in Austin Rivers' face. Three, good. Right at the top of the key. So then they're down one. Harding gets fouled. Yeah, and then they end up being down three. three. And Dinwiddie is dribbling the ball up the court on Austin Rivers and stops right at the hash mark. Behind the hash. A li- about a foot behind the hash, maybe. And takes a off-balance three in Austin Rivers' face with his hand in his eyeballs <laughs> and made the shot. Cash the whole Nets bench. And that it. shot was very late in the game. It was with eight seconds left. And then the Rockets didn't call a timeout. Harden had the ball, dribbled it all the way to the three-point line, did a step back in Trevion Graham's face, locked right, up, right. and hit front rim. So then it went to OT. Where the Rockets dominated overtime early, and I thought the game was over once again. But the Nets ended up going on a 10-0 run to close OT, and they ended up winning. Dinwiddie continued his domination in overtime. He had a give and go, had an and one. He was just, he had an assist to Trevion Graham in the corner, who drilled the three while they were down seven with, with a minute 30 left in overtime. 
And there's one other thing that should be pointed out about this game. Would you like to do the honors? I mean, I said it earlier, but yes, D-Lo was nowhere to be found late in the fourth or OT, which is one of those things that, like, we still don't have a direct answer from Kenny Atkinson for, but the whole fan base realizes, like, if D-Lo starts off cold or, like, he sees that he's being lackadaisical on defense, then he's going to come out. It's the hot hand approach from Atkinson, which is fine. Which which is the thing that, like, makes people believe that D'Lo isn't, a, an, all, like, isn't an all-star. Because, all, like, I'm in support of D'Lo making the all-star game. I don't think he will. I think Levine should still make it over him. I which don't want to hear it. That's a close debate, but I honestly do believe that Oh, I know he's on the Bulls, but Levine is the type of player that he's not going to get benched late in the game. Like, no, no one in situation. the All-Star game is going to get benched late in the game. You don't see Tobias Harris on the Clippers. You don't see Bradley Beal. All-Star. You don't see Bradley Kyle Beal. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Ben Simmons, unless it's for forced, free throws. Ever being forced onto the bench because of their play. Regardless of how bad they're playing, Devin Booker will be on the court, and he hasn't even been an All-Star yet. Donovan Mitchell will be on the court, hasn't been an all-star yet. Tatum will be on the court. All of these guys will be on the court late in the game regardless because they're they're viewed as all-star caliber players. D'Lo is that caliber player, but is not given Treated that, like it. Yeah, he's not given that type of respect by his coach yet. The thing is, like everything's all fun and games. Kenny Atkinson is praising D'Lo when he's dropping 30 and 40 and 29. But when he has a bad game, it's like, oh, let's sit him on the bench, play him 23 minutes. Like, no, like you have to take the good with the bad. And Kenny Atkinson, for as much crap as we gave him in the beginning of the season, I'll say he's been a phenomenal coach as of late. But still, like, D'Lo's your best player, regardless of what personnel you have out there, who's killing at the time. D'Lo is your best player. If he's two for seven, leave him in there. I'm sure Harden starts games two for seven all the time and ends with 40 points. Like, it, it just happens. Players go on runs. And if D'Lo's not in the game, he can't go on a run. And we know when D'Lo gets hot, he gets hot. And he can do that at any point in time. But on to the Magic game. The Nets also ended up winning this one. They won this game 117-115. Yet another close game that the Nets pull out. So that's encouraging to see from a young team like them. This um, one was D'Angelo Russell's game. Very high, 40 points. But we'll get into that later. Exactly. Um, uh, the Nets shot 45.4% from the field, which was actually worse than the Magic, who shot 50%, clean 50%. Um, the Nets shot 41.3% from the three-point line with a Magic shot 385 And then... Um, they won the turnover battle, everything like that. They lost the offensive rebound battle and the rebounding battle in total by eight. And then, uh, yeah, on to the box score. We'll start with the Magic this time since we started with the Nets the last time. They were getting cooked by DJ Augustine. 27 minutes, 17 points, 7 of 10 from the field, uh, 4 assists, also 4 turnovers, a negative 5 plus minus. Like, when you look at the box score, it doesn't look like he was eating them alive. But when you watch the game, he actually had a couple of timely baskets and like a couple of baskets where you're like, DJ Augustine shouldn't be making this. Aaron Gordon played really well too. He was hitting threes at the end of the shot clock when the ball was forced into his hands. He was dunking on the whole team as always. Mo Bamba was hitting a timely. He hit a timely three pointer too when he was left wide open and let to, left to shoot it. Isaiah Briscoe had some key minutes, 
it looked like the Magic had control of this game for a while. Yeah, Terrence Ross, who's in the in contention for six man of the year this year, thirteen points, five of ten from the field, four rebounds. Evan Fournier, sixteen points, thirty-eight minutes, uh, eight rebounds, three assists. Nikola Vucevic, sixteen and a, sixteen and seventeen with six assists, seven of twenty from the field, and Aaron Gordon went nine of thirteen for twenty-three points, knocked down three threes, four rebounds, five assists. On to the Nets. So, yeah, Trevion Graham played 28 minutes, 6 points, 2 of 8 from the field, 1 of 5 from the 3-point line. But he provi- he provided defense, and he is more valuable than shown on the, the on the box score. Like, he does stuff in the game that you wouldn't see on the box score. A good example is, like, for the Celtics, people often say that Marcus Smart is garbage. Marcus Smart's terrible because of how he has 2 points on 1 of 7 shooting and not much else. But he also makes the game-winning save when a ball's going out of bounds. He also blocks a shot when it matters with 20 seconds left in the game. He plays great defense all game long, and he's the reason that the Celtics win a lot of games. Trevion Graham kind of has the same effect. He locked up hard and late in the Rockets game. He hustles. He made a great pass in transition to Kuroks in the Kings game today. He's He's... Honestly, one of the best hustle players for the Nets, aside from Joe Harris, probably. Uh, so, yeah, on to Rodion's Karuks, who only played 11 minutes, two points, one of two from the field, two rebounds. Uh, he, I think he should continue to start, start even when Alan Crabb comes back, because he's clearly an amazing player for the Nets, a diamond in the rough, and another gem that Sean Marks and the Nets organization drafted. Um, Jared Allen, 25 minutes. Six points, two of six from the field, 10 rebounds, got dominated by Nikola Vucevic. He went back to playing subpar minutes and playing, having a subpar game. Joe Harris, 29 minutes, old reliable, went four of 13 from the field, 11 points, three of eight from the three-point line, four assists, three turnovers. And then uh, D'Angelo, I'll go over Damari Carroll. Damari Carroll, 29 points. Oh, I wish 29 points. 29 <laughs> minutes, 10 points, 5 of 9 from the field, and Shabazz Napier had 12 points on 4 of 13 shooting in 18 minutes. And also, Rondé Hollis only played 13 minutes, 2 points, 1 to 7 shooting. He's still not fully back yet. They're easing him back. I don't even know if he's going to gain a huge role back again. He might stay on the bench next to Carroll and only see like minutes in the upper teens, lower 20s going forward. One thing that pe- a lot of people overlook is Ed Davis. Eight points, nine rebounds, 22 minutes. That man's a rebounding monster. As you'll see in the Kings game. Exactly. So now we're on to the, the meat of the Nets. D'Angelo Russell, and Spencer, D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie, 60 points combined. In 60 minutes. In 60 minutes. They combined for 60 of the Nets, 117 points. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, 27 minutes, 20 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 3 of 7 from the three-point line, 3 rebounds. No, yeah, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 4 turnovers. D'Lo, team high, 33 minutes, 40 points. Career high. Yeah, ties a career high. 16 of 25 from the field. He had 8 of 12 three-pointers, 7 assists, 1 turnover, 1 steal. One thing I do want to uh, mention is that he has been limiting his turnovers lately while getting 6 or 7 assists per game, so that's great to see from him. Um, and yeah, it, it was a, a overall great game by D'Lo. Diving more into the game, the Magic were dominating this game. They were up 64, 50, 67-54 at half, 13-point lead. D'Lo himself had 24 at half. But Which means someone else had to step up in the second half for them to get the lead back because he wasn't going to replicate that exactly and go to 48 and do it himself. 
And that man was Dinwiddie, who was very quiet in the first half. Dinwiddie actually hit a four-point play with 54.9 seconds left off of an inbound pass in the corner. And Yeah, Dinwiddie scored 18 of his 20 in the second half. And he they had were two down, points at And half. they were down two before that shot. So that gave them a one-point lead, and he hit the free throw. So Yeah, D'Lo, everyone knows the D'Lo stepped back uh, on Evan Fournier with 27.1 left to give the Nets a three-point lead, and they basically just played the free throw game and won after that. Um, he did the little ice in his veins celebration. Amazing. Dinwiddie, like Hunter said, got fouled with 9.6 left. Missed one. The Nets lead by two. And Evan Fournier uh, missed a game-tying floater. Nets win. It, it, it was a great win by the Nets. They should beat teams like the Magic. And they did. It shouldn't have been this close, obviously. But a win is a win. On to the Kings game. The Nets went back to playing the little 2-3 zone. They didn't play it a ton, but they played it a decent amount. And uh, before we get into the total game... To the box score, the Nets won 123-94. to They blew the Kings out in the fourth quarter. I will say, Iman Shumpert had an absolutely horrible game. It is one of the worst showings by a basketball player I've seen in a long time. I watched him miss about three wide-open layups that he hit clean off the backboard. He only scored four points on one of ten shooting in 32 minutes. The only thing he did well was four defensive stats. But he turned the ball over three times at a minus 25 plus minus. Yeah, and Monchumper's trash. He's just stick to reality TV. And the, the Kings, it, it was a close game with the Kings until the second half. They out, The Nets outscored the Kings 38-25 to in the third quarter. And they outscored them 30-9. to in the fourth quarter. In case you wanted to know, they doubled their points. It was 68-34 to 34 in the <laughs> exactly. second half. Exactly. The Nets shot 50% from the field. The uh, uh, Kings shot 419 The Kings actually shot a better three-point percentage than the Nets. 40% while the Nets shot 37.1. And the Nets attempted 24 free throws, knocked down 20 of them. The Kings attempted 11, knocked down six of them. Onto the box score itself. We'll start with the Kings. Not really much to talk about. Uh, Iman Shumpert, yeah, he's garbage. Nemanja Bielisa also had a trash game. He got replaced by Justin Jackson about halfway through the game. Uh, Bielisa played four minutes. Justin Jackson played 29. Jackson had 14 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 5 rebounds. Buddy healed 4 of 10 from the field, 11 points. Did a good job limiting him. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, he had a couple good dunks on Jared Allen. 27 minutes, 12 points, 6 of 8 from the field, 6 rebounds. And then the Kings' best player, De'Aaron Fox, 29 minutes, uh, 9 points, 4 of 14 from the field, 6 uh, assists, 3 turnovers, not his best game. So they did a good job on him, which is De'Aaron Fox, as everyone knows, is one of, if not the fastest player in the league, one of the fastest players in the league. And the Nets don't have anyone too overly athletic. So it's good that they were able to guard De'Aaron Fox and wasn't able to let him destroy them with his speed. But uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich. 32 minutes, 22 points, 9 of 19 he from the field. He was the only player that I can confidently say destroyed the yeah. Nets. He, he was hitting ridiculous shots. He was finding his teammates. He was playing great basketball. He ended up having 22 and 11 with five turnovers. So good thing they held. They um, forced him to commit five turnovers. On to the Nets. Rodion's Kuroks, 23 minutes, 16 points, 7 of 10 from the field. Amazing game from him. Trevion Graham, 8 points, 2 of 3 from the field, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, did everything he needed to do. Jared Allen, 23 minutes, 8 points, 3 of 5 from the field, 12 rebounds, he had uh, 8 and 12, uh, 4 turnovers. 8 and 12 is about what you expect from Jared Allen every night at this point, so which is solid game. Yeah, yeah. Joe Harris, old reliable, 
had another one of those great games, 29 minutes, 8 of 14 from the field, 19 points, 3-pointers, three, three, three 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals, great game from him. Spencer Dinwiddie didn't play too well, 11 points, 3 of 12 shooting, 1 of 5 from the 3-point line, 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 turnovers, Jesus, and uh, yeah, D'Angelo Russell was really the, D'Angelo well, Russell and Joe Harris really although, had the two best Although Damare Carroll... The box score was not pretty. He had nine points on three of eight shooting with four rebounds. He was hitting. He he hit a couple of shots when the game was out of reach that that kept his stat line relevant. He had a zero plus minus. He probably had the worst performance out of anyone who played today, but it still wasn't all that bad. Ed Davis had a quiet good performance. The rebounding that we're talking about, he had six points on two of two shooting with sixteen rebounds. 16 rebounds in 24 minutes. That's insane. And <laughs> Rondé Hollis still only played 12 minutes, 5 points, 2 of 7 shooting. But he had a really nice and one late in the game. And Shabazz Napier, 10 points in 11 minutes, 3 steals. D'Lo, 31 minutes, 31 points, point a minute. <laughs> 12 points, I mean 12 of 25 from the field, 7 of 14 from the 3-point line. 8 assists, 0 turnovers, 4 rebounds, like I said. He was, he was very hot early like he was he started off 11 for 19 from the field so he missed one out of his last six shots but the game was already out of reach so it's not like they needed him at that point he made the shots when it mattered he he took advantage of the mismatches too when he was on Collie Stein or Bagley he would size them up do a little step back or a hesitation and pull a three in their face that's yeah, really what I, he does. I want to say D'Lo takes advantage of when big men get switched on them because the Nets run a lot of pick and roll, screen and roll, stuff like that with Jared Allen. So big men get switched on to D'Lo quite a lot. And he's not like the quickest, most explosive player. And although sometimes you would say, well, a player should take a big man off the dribble when they're switched on him, like... Like, there's like time, Westbrook would do that. There's times Steph Curry even will see that a big man's on him, go straight to the basket and do a reverse layup or or do a regular layup, get an AM one, do something. But D'Lo often does a hesitation and just pulls a three, which has its, its ups and downs. Because if he misses, then it's why didn't he take him off the dribble? And if he makes it, it's, he's amazing. So. Yeah. But honestly... In my opinion, D'Lo's not athletic enough to take them off the dribble. Yeah, That's like I'm saying, he, he's not the most explosive player, but he's, like, mixy. Like, it, yeah. it's hard to explain. He's just elusive. He moves slower, but he's, he knows how to get around people still. Like, he knows how to move his body the right way to get open. Like, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook, Dame Lillard, they know how to just drive straight by someone Wall, and get a layup. Like, like D'Lo is not quick enough to do that. He, he operates in a different way. And uh, yeah, uh, D- uh, another thing about D'Lo, he made some good passes. Like there was one where he was sizing somebody up. Karuk's cut to the basket. He like no looked it straight into his hands. A wide open Rodion's Karuk's dunk. It it, it was it, he made another one to Jared Allen. Like and he made another one to Napier. It, it was just amazing. Um, he was mic'd up this game, and uh, like certain things like. When when players are mic'd up, a lot of the time I don't watch it because like they just say whatever they feel like saying. But with D'Lo, he it was very clear like he's taking a leadership role on this team. He like, was saying a lot of good pass, and I I saw him and Karis Levert standing next to each other on the bench at one point after Rodion's Karuks made a layup, and D'Lo looked at Karis and was like, "Rodion's really good," and 
and Karis was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were basically praising him, and it's good to see the the best players on the team praising their second round pick. Exactly. Now and it's like the, the main thing with D'Lo coming over from the Lakers is that he's not a leader. He he plays too many games. He's a jokester. He doesn't take this serious. So to see that he's like actually taking this serious at 22 years old, he's the leader of the Nets. He sh- and, and for that to show, like that's a big thing. And uh, yeah, I just want to say the Nets are 10 and 1 at Barclays over their last 11. And this 17 was- and 5 in their last 22 overall, which is the best record in the NBA in that span. And their best 22 game stretch since 2014 when they had KG and Paul Pierce and Darren Williams. And Shout Lakers. out to Anthony Puccio for uh, putting us onto this. They had there was their 25th win of the season. They didn't win 25 games until game number 76 last year, which was on March 31st. It is currently January 21st. And they have the same amount of wins as they had last season. Two months ahead of schedule. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, one last thing about D'Lo. It was his eighth 30-point game this year, and he had seven in his entire career pre- like prior to this year. So he's already overdone his entire career 31 games in this one game. Season. In this <laughs> one season, I imagine. <laughs> in this one season, yes. On to listener questions. It's the first time we're doing this, but we actually enjoy doing it. Yeah, make sure you guys tweet us any questions you have about the Nets, uh, period. Players, draft, uh, free agency, in specific games. Tweet it to Hoop Ball Tweets. We'll make sure to answer them on each and every podcast. But yeah, we have three questions uh, from one Fredel underscore P on Twitter. He says, when is Levert coming back? And there's really no answer to this because there hasn't been an official timetable, but Kenny Atkinson said he's progressing nicely and he's done about everything but five on five work. So, and he's been seen shooting around. He's always on the bench. So uh, they're taking it slow with him, but I would, I would guess around the all-star break, maybe a week or two after the all-star break. He hasn't done any contact work yet. And this was two days ago. Yeah. We say the middle of February, definitely after the all-star break, definitely in time for the playoffs. Should the Nets make it, which they should. I say the latest he's back is March 1st. Yeah. That's the latest he's back. I do want to say though, shout out to Karis LeVert. He's been a great vocal leader off the bench, cheering his teammates on because he was having the season of his career becoming the cornerstone of the Nets and he got it got derailed by an injury he could very well be salty and sit on the bench and be like uh but and like and be angry that D'Lo's eating and taking the spotlight away but like he's not he's being a great vocal leader and showing that like he's all about the team this team's chemistry I believe is the reason they're the sixth seed and not the 10th seed right now they their chemistry is probably top five in the game that they are all friends on the court. You could tell like there are teams where they're just on the court because of business and they're not as cool with each other as other people. But the Nets seem to have that chemistry with one another. Yeah, like Kenny Atkinson said the other day, like they, they, their players walk the streets together, like they go eat together, like they're legitimately friends. Like outside of basketball, they're good friends, which only adds to your chemistry on the court. On to the next question from the Juice Two One Two Two, aka Mike. On Twitter, with Levert on his way back, is it time to trade D'Lo while he's hot? Okay, okay. so okay. there are two takes to this. If you meant fantasy, we have a lot because, of insight to this. Yeah, because Hootball is a fantasy website, 
like primarily so we don't know if you met fantasy or real life if we're gonna answer mean, both okay if you mean real life there's a quick no in our opinion we believe D'Lo and Lavert can thrive next to each other it will solve their guard issues with Dinwiddie behind them for years to come and they'll have to focus on the forward positions yeah, so, that's like saying when Joel Embiid was out. Oh, since Ben Simmons is eating and Joel Embiid's injured, should we trade Ben Simmons? Like, no, you, they can both eat simultaneously. Like, it just makes the team better. But if you meant fantasy, I believe you can move D'Lo because his production might slide a little when Lavert comes back. It's not a guarantee he stays this hot, putting up 30 points on every other night. But if you want to buy low on guys like Middleton, Mark Gasol, Victor Oladipo, who have had a horrible two weeks and are bound to turn it around then go for it yeah Oladipo Gasol and Middleton are all outside of the top 30 over the past two weeks but so yeah if you want to buy along with someone like that with D'Lo then go ahead for sure or if you want to match his value and get someone like Donovan Mitchell who you know will produce all season and will not have a wrench thrown into it other than an injury then sure go get it or, or you can get multiple guys who are borderline top 50 like if you want to pool together uh, Jason Tatum and Pascal Siakam to, and trade away D'Lo and somebody on your team, then that works too. I mean, he he shouldn't be untouchable in fantasy. Like, he's not the greatest fantasy player to own. He'll yeah. have his ups and downs. But in real life, I do not think there is any reason the Nets should trade him. And on to our last question. It's from Nico with three oh So, Nico Rocha <laughs> on Twitter. What's the ceiling for D'Lo? The other two questions were great, but I have to say this was my favorite question because you could do so much with this question. There's like We could talk about this question enough to make a whole nother episode, but for now we're going to give our player comparisons and say basically what we think D'Lo can do on top of that player. So you go first. Okay. So my player comparison is basic. I'm not going to lie. It's not that I didn't put a lot of thought into it. I really do believe this. His player comparison for me is Harden. So when he was coming into the league, that's what a lot of people, when he got drafted, that's what a lot of people compared him to. And I'm not saying he's going to be going on this streak of dropping 40 for a month, but like the caliber of player Harden is, I do think he can match it. Delos 22. When Harden was 22, he averaged 16.8 points, 3.7 assists, and 4.1 rebounds on 49% shooting at 31.4 minutes. It was his last year in OKC. D'Lo this season is averaging 19 points, 6.4 assists, and 3.7 rebounds on 44% shooting at 29.5 minutes. Now, the thing that is skewed in that is that Harden took 10 shots per game and D'Lo took 17. And D'Lo takes 17. So Harden's clearly the better player at this point in their career. But there's Harden didn't become super nice until he's like 20, until he was 23, 24. And I feel like D'Lo can make D'Lo could average 20 points per game this year, and he might, he probably will, to be completely honest. So next year, there's no doubt that he can take a next step and get to 22. The year after that, 25. He could be 26 and average 27 points per game. And at that point, like. He's a perennial all-star. I personally feel like he can be a eight-time all-star and the A1 option, the number one option on a championship team. So, so I think his ceiling is through, through the roof. Sky's the limit for D'Lo, in my opinion. Okay, so I don't believe he can be a number one on a championship team like Najee does. But I do have high expectations for him. I do think he can do a lot. I do think he can make the all-star game every year. And 
my player comparison is Paul Pierce. So I know Paul Pierce is a small forward. They're actually only two inches apart in height. Neither of them are overly athletic. And they both have a pretty smooth jumper. They're both primarily shooters and leaders of their team. So Paul Pierce at 22 years old averaged 19.5 points. 5.4 rebounds, 3 assists, and 2.1 steals on 44.2% shooting in 35 minutes. He averaged 0.5 more than D'Lo, 3 less assists, 2 more rebounds, and the same percent in 6 more minutes. So, they were very similar at this point. But, Pierce ended his career with 10 All-Star games, 4 All-NBA selections, and a championship, and he was finals MVP. So if D'Lo ends his career with that, I'll, I'll call it a success. I don't think he's he's going to obviously match this exact. That's almost impossible, but I could see him having a couple All-NBA selections being a, a double-digit All-Star and maybe winning a championship if he winds up on a good team. And I do want to say shout out to Hunter because when you first think of Paul Pierce, you're like, well, Paul Pierce, why would D'Lo relate to Paul Pierce? But, like, when he explained it to me, I said that same thing. But the way he explained it, it makes sense. Like, my comparison, Harden, people are like, okay, yeah, it looks like Harden. Yeah, yeah, it could be Harden. But, like, Paul Pierce is one of those things where you're, like, one of those players to compare to D'Lo where you wouldn't usually think of it. So, shout out to Hunter. But yeah, that's it for the listener questions this week. We want to answer more and more, so make sure you guys tweet us at HoopBallNet. More listener questions. Uh, yeah, on to the Brooklyn Baller of the Week. I don't think there's any any type of doubt in this in this scenario. It's D'Angelo Russell. Uh, he, he actually won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. He is the Brooklyn Baller of the Week, which officially means I don't have to write anything on my chest. Yes. So, yes, so, so there we go. I mean, hey, if Levert comes yeah, back yeah, yeah. and beats him by the end over of the season. Over <laughs> the past month, D'Lo is averaging 30, which is 13 games. Over the past 13 games, D'Lo is averaging 30.9 minutes per game, 23.6 points, 3.5 threes, 3.8 rebounds, 6.8 assists, a steal on 48% shooting. 95.7% from the line. There was a stretch where he made 24 straight free throws. And, uh, yeah, on uh, 2.8 turnovers per game which is obviously the most on the team but most of the time point guards do average the most turnovers on the team there's no doubt in my mind D'Lo is in anyone's mind that D'Lo is the Brooklyn Baller of the week amazing stretch by him hopefully he can keep it going and for the last segment of this podcast we just want to talk about Carmelo Anthony he was waived by the Rockets so he has to clear waivers right now before he hits free agency and if you didn't know the Nets waived Kenneth Fareed our guy, the Manimal, he went to the Rockets. Who we wanted to play over Dudley, but instead he's now on the Rockets. <laughs> exactly. So the Nets do have a roster spot, and we want to talk about should the Nets get Carmelo versus will the Nets get Carmelo? Because they're two very different things. Just so you know, Farid on the night in his first game at Houston had 13 points and 6 rebounds on 5 of 7. In how many minutes? 23 minutes. Exactly. Perfect. So good game for the Manimal. Outplayed starter, Nene Hilario. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever called him Hilario. It's just Nene. I mean, but the his, yeah, his last name is Hilario. But yes, should the Nets get mellow versus will the Nets get mellow? We'll start with will the Nets get mellow? Will they? I, I don't think so, but you can make the case. Like, I saw Bleacher Report say that since Melo's from New York, his family's in New York, he he can't go back to the Knicks. The main contenders are the Nets, the Lakers, and the Blazers. 
Fit-wise, the Blazers win. Friend-wise, the, the Lakers, Lakers win. Yeah. Hometown-wise, the Nets win. So yeah, it's, it's random. The thing with the Lakers is they don't want to clear a roster spot to sign Melo. And the Nets already have a roster spot, which they could just swoop Melo right into. And Jared Dudley's out right now, so he'd serve as that veteran presence. But I just don't think it'll happen. I don't. I, I don't also, know what the point would be. And I also do not like Melo in this present day. I do not believe he will really help. I don't think he will provide better value than anyone that plays right now. Yeah. So now we're getting to should they get Melo? Absolutely not. Kenny Atkinson and Sean Marks are very like thorough and very serious about their culture, and they don't want some. 30 plus year old player coming into the who who thinks he's still in his prime to come in and take every shot when that's just not the culture of the Nets. They're a team they're a team based team as as weird as that sounds. They have incredible chemistry and adding a player like Melo who's going to want to take 15 shots per game is going to mess that up. And all he takes is threes, which will obviously match with the Nets because they take a ton of threes but Melo missed, let's be honest. Melo's trash. Like there's there's no reason for the Nets to sign them. To sign him I do believe he would actually be a good fit with the Blazers, though, being that their small forward is Maurice Hartless. Sure, let him go to the Blazers and mess them up. But he's not coming over here to Brooklyn. But, uh, yeah, guys, that'll do it for this episode. We went super long, 45 minutes. But we tried to get more into the games themselves, which you guys asked for. So I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at HoopBallNet. Make sure you tweet us questions. Make sure you tweet us anything, basically. And uh, make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter individually. I'm at Najee Adams underscore. If you don't know how to spell Najee, it's N-A-J-E-E Adams underscore. Hunter's at Hunter underscore J-K-R on Twitter. Make sure you go uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, the Hootball Nets podcast. Uh, Make sure you go leave a five-star rating and review. Give us feedback, criticism, praise us, tell us we suck. Just tell us anything and we'll read it on the podcast. And uh, yeah, we just want you guys to know we're cooking up some Pretty fun stuff coming up. The next podcast after this is actually going to be something pretty unique that we haven't heard on any other podcast. So look out for that. It should be up by Tuesday before the Nets play again. So, uh, yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode, guys. We'll see you all next time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.